0: Kia everyone, and welcome to Tekupu, or The Word, with me, your host, Christopher Von Roy. Thank you for joining us on the 23rd of November, 2021, for episode number 11, with the indelible Dr. Jonathan Slatt. I was so excited to get John on the podcast, especially seeing that we both have a history together. We went to school in Munich when we were eight years old, and were really close friends, and it kind of drifted apart afterwards because he moved back to America and we kept on being pen pals for several years. But I haven't hadn't spoken to John in person or by the phone for nearly 35 years. So this was an extra special podcast where John talks candidly about his time in Primorye, Russia, studying the world's largest owl species, the Blackiston Fish Owl and his time in the Peace Corps, and just what John got up to after he left Munich those many years ago. He incidentally also wrote one of the most successful books of 2020, Owls of the Eastern Ice, which captures his time in Primorie studying this owl species and doing field work for his PhD. Uh, John works for the Wildlife Conservation Society and also tells an amazing story of where he gets to say when he goes to Bronx Zoo in New York, where the headquarter of the WCS is. John's book, Owls of the Eastern Ice, has won every accolade under the sun. The Times UK newspaper named it the best book of 2020. It made the top 10 list for the Wall Street Journal books in 2020. It won the E.O. Wilson Science Book Award. And it was long-listed for the National Book Award in America, so absolutely a credible achievement. And John overnight went to be one of the most coveted and accomplished writers in the U.S., so I was super lucky to land this podcast. And thank you so much, John, for making the time. Hopefully we'll do it again. And without further ado, let's welcome John to Tekupu. probably gonna happen soon can you hear me on. okay there you go hello can you hear me yeah now i can hear you perfectly so you okay, had a yeah, bit good. of computer good. bit of computer issues
1: yeah i don't it's i don't i don't know what's
0: yeah <laughs> i'm the same technophobe um yeah so it's been quite hectic for you the last couple of weeks with moving and everything is that right
1: yeah, I just I just think in, in general life is life is pretty hectic. And so just
0: yeah, the last last few weeks were um, particularly hectic. Harder. Yes. Yes. So did you move far or did you stay in Minnesota?
1: Very close. Um, All right. Nice. About, about a mile. It's just a, a bigger house. Why have, oh, wow. Yeah, we have t- two two kids. They've been sharing a room. It's a, a boy who's nine and a girl who's five. And it's just it has been getting oh, a little tight.
0: So. Yeah, I can imagine. So cool. Then managed to get that out of the way and everything. So now you can yeah. relax. Yeah. Um, amazing, John, like it's yeah bizarre talking to you now. I was just thinking like doing the calculations, it's like 35 years or something since we last. Yeah, yeah well, I was
1: thinking 35 myself.
0: Yeah, Yeah. neither of our voices had dropped by that, or maybe they had at that time. I don't think mine did. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> um. So let's, so what happened with you afterwards? Where did you move after Munich?
1: Oh, man. We went to Toronto. Oh, you moved to Canada. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then we were there for four years. And then my folks got assigned to the embassy, US Embassy in Moscow.
0: Um, ah.
1: And then spent a year in language training in DC. And that, that's when I started going to a boarding school then in, in, uh, in the US, in Pennsylvania. Um, oh when so, they went to
0: Russia you stayed in the US right yeah yeah there was there was no
1: there wasn't like an international school at the time or anything where the primary language was English and it just seemed cruel to throw yeah, in true. me and my brother interested into a <laughs> oh, public God. school in Moscow in the early 90s
0: uh, and so did you learn you learned Russian though as well then did you do that immersive course with your parents or what
1: well, yeah, I, I, there was actually one of the reasons I picked the the boarding school I went to was was because they offered Russian, so I started speaking wow. you're, you're taking Russian as you know as, as like a fourteen year old, fifteen year old, um, oh, just Lord. you know, just just so that I'd be able to understand street signs and things uh, when yeah. I when go. But I'd only go; I'd spend my summers there and you know Christmas holidays and things like that. But mostly, I was in the U.S.
0: Yeah. And Chris, Chris was with you then at the same boarding school. He, he, no, he went to
1: a different boarding school. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, we, we sort right of. In the Washington, D.C. area. Well, no, it was, it was actually, it was in the, so my, my mom's parents were living in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. And, and so that was sort of the home base. So we looked at schools that were within you know, an hour and a half radius of there. Um, and then we picked different schools.
0: Yeah, I was surprised uh, to see
1: that I, I, I didn't realize that you had a, a New Jersey connection. and I, I ended Yeah, up so that's where I
0: grew up in Morristown.
1: Yeah, I ended up doing my undergraduate degree at, at Drew University, which is like just down the street from Morristown.
0: Wow. So that was the, straight out of um, the boarding school you went to Drew. E- yes, that is true. Yes. Yep. So did you choose biology then? Was that your first
1: no not not at all it was uh I, mean, I was i was interested in it of course you know and and the yeah. school i went to i went i went to a quaker uh boarding school and they were they were they were, they were, they were okay. li- liberal liberal quakers and okay. they just had like a really great environmental ethic or just ethic in general yeah and that, that resonated it was it was sort of in this sort of, uh farm country in Pennsylvania, uh, the, the, the property of the huge property, there was a Creek on there. So we'd go swimming all the time. In the oh, amazing and all the time in the forest. So I was always interested in sort of, you know, the outdoors and nature, but I never really liked birds to be Frank. Um, uh, <laughs> especially. And Owls. It was, yeah. 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 And so it was, it was sort of a, um, uh, like a, a rivalry. So I had, I had a high school friend visit me in college and he was, uh, uh, he just like looked at some birds and said, "Oh, that's a blah 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 finch." And I was like, "What <laughs> do you mean? Like, how, how do you know that?" He's like, "Oh, I, I picked up bird watching. So I'm like, "All right,
0: so, amazing."
1: So I did too. Uh, yeah. So I ended up my my major in college was Russian Russian language, and I had, an, wow. I, had a, I had a minor in environmental
0: studies. Um, oh wow! And then so you that took over the minor became the major.
1: It, it did because 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 from there, then after uh, after that, I spent a year in Alaska. And then I went into the Peace Corps in in the Russian Far East because I I'd spent Jesus um, I'd spent about half a year there as an undergraduate in, in the Far yeah. East. I went out to um, uh, I did a semester of, of coursework in Vladivostok, and then I volunteered at this uh, at this wetland where there were these rare cranes nesting. Um, yeah. and then yeah, so then I went back in the Peace Corps, and that was really when. I realized because i always thought oh it's, it's too i've missed it right you know i, I got my degree i've, I've sort of yeah. missed my my science uh but realizing that you know there was so little work being done over there and all the people who were actively working there were either getting too old or they just couldn't because of their limited language skills they really couldn't access the um they, they had no place in the competitive grant, yeah. uh, grant circles. And, you know, cause in the Soviet union, it, it, everything was financed. If, if they wanted a helicopter to go look at yeah. the birds, they would just order it and they'd get in and spend all day <laughs> riding around this helicopter.
0: Yeah.
1: So like re- realizing like, like, look, I, I had a unique set of skills, you know, I could, yeah. I could, I could speak the language. I knew stuff about birds and I could handle the, 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 the conditions of, of living there, the, the field conditions. And so, um, uh, that really prompted me to kind of go back into this and look more seriously at it. Um, and I, I did have trouble getting into graduate school into a science program without an yeah. undergraduate major. Um, but I ended up, you know, taking especially the first first uh, two years of my graduate study, uh, taking a lot of, where I was the only graduate student in the class, right? You know, genetics. Yeah. All yeah. the other courses where it was just me and the undergrads because I needed that background.
0: Oh, wow. So this was before so when you went into the peace corps you, you you had that russian degree in russian you hadn't done any science yet
1: no not really uh, other than like I, i'd mentioned that just that uh, that little bit of volunteering um at, yeah
0: so the field uh, work but so how is yeah. the peace corps like what is that like military proper military or what what, what happens there
1: yeah right so yeah peace corps is uh it's, it's something that, that that john f kennedy kind of came up with it was sort of a way it, uh it was cultural diplomacy yeah uh, so you go to places and you show citizens of other countries that 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 Americans Americans are,
0: are nice people. Yeah. Wow! But are you? Do you have to do? Middle- right. Yeah. Go uh, so, you
1: know, so, so, some people go into I think with the wrong attitude of you know the way the United States does things is right, and we need to teach people that. And those are the people yeah. that burn out very quickly in the Peace Corps. Uh, yeah, because you know, the idea is really just the culture exchange. Like here's. Here's some random person that's never left Oklahoma, and now they're going to live in Gabon for, for, for <laughs> a years. Sense. And you know but what's so- going to what's going to happen? And it it opens, <laughs> up for, I think, from the side of Americans. I think it's incredibly important to yeah. That's I was thinking. These international these international experiences. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, ta- I taught English to to village children, and I um, I worked at an ecological club for kids where I you know take wow. Kids
0: so, so, but did you have to? Did you have to do like military training or like boot camp y- or anything?
1: Y- yeah, no, there's no 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 military associated with that. Okay,
0: so all. nothing. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. the the term Peace Corps is actually like the core angle that the military language is just coincidental.
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah, right. Who, so, who does
0: it report to then? What branch of government? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Uh, I, okay. I so, you just joined them in because that was the other question. I was wondering, like, I had this like romantic notion that your dad worked in the CIA. Like, I've had that my whole life because, like, we somehow got into the embassy. You remember when we went, like, yeah, finding all those and we found this one particular bullet in that mission in the English Garden and we went in and met a guy called Gunny. Like, I've got yeah. such a vivid memory of this, John. Yeah. And I was he, like, he
1: actually, that guy yeah? actually contacted me recently because he, he read the Al book.
0: Um, wow!
1: And, and he got if he, he found my email, he wrote me this letter like, "Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I was." Uh, I'm
0: like, "Yeah, I remember." <laughs> oh you. my god, that's yeah. so cool! He was like, "Well, I'd like completely romanticize." I was like, "He's a weapons expert," and I was like, "And then years later, I was like, how on earth did these two prepubescent kids like get all the way in?'" <laughs> so, what was your dad doing for the embassy? Are you allowed to talk about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he worked for the uh, the Foreign Commercial Service, so his, his job yeah. was essentially to promote trade between. United States whatever country uh, gotcha to to be in Um, so yeah so that that's why so I'm wearing that you know that 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 photo that you saw on Facebook of me wearing a a Samuel Adams uh, what was it I'm I'm, I'm a beer swilling (laughs) rebel or whatever (laughs) that was that was was because he got these shirts uh, because Sam Adams was trying to sell beer in, in Germany
0: Amazing. That was so funny. I love that with your mom writing on there and giving her your entire personal history. Yes, um, she, they, she that yeah. She's so funny. There'd be some hilarious interactions between you, like this one YouTube interview I watched of you, and she. she and then the interviewer asked this question, and you're like, yep, that's my mom. Yeah. <laughs> writing it from somewhere. Um, I was going to say, so you would have been swamped with... When you wrote the book, were you prepared... Like, did you know that it was going to be so successful and people were going to, did you have that hunch when of, you published of course, it? Of course not.
1: I mean, it's a, okay. it's, a book of, it's a book about owls in Russia. I mean, who's, who's going <laughs> to read that,
0: right? I know. And then the pandemic hits right when it gets published. And I was like, poor John, you could have gone on these amazing tours yeah. all around the planet. But then I guess yeah. on the flip side, more people were reading during that time. So...
1: Yeah. And that's honestly, I I think the pandemic uh, helped the book because it's, you know, people were, and to some degree still are right They're you know, kind of in these, in these boxes, these very, very enclosed spaces and having the, you know, and here's a book about a place that most people have never heard of about a animal that most people have never heard of. And so I think it it allowed people to really get out to sort of really leave their space. And I think that that really helped
0: yeah that was the feeling that I had so I mean that was what when I was reading this John I was like how the fuck did he manage to survive in those conditions like and you kind of alluded to it just now with saying that you had done the Peace Corps and you know but like seriously like in these wooden cabins you had to go out to pee and it was like minus 40 like how did you how did you mentally prepare for that man
1: well, first of all, I think it, I think it's fun to, to a degree, and that's so so, so
0: <laughs> I, I masochistic fun. Let me, yeah,
1: let me let me back up and say that you know when you know, writing the book and kind of reviewing my notes and looking at the photographs, I had a tremendous. It was really fun because uh, there were times when it was happening that it wasn't that much fun, uh, and then yeah. so now in in, in non pandemic travel times, I I still am involved in, in, in this work. The the Sergeys are still doing the fisheye work and i, I pl- i'll yeah. go over and I'll plug in for a week or two and spend a week or two in the woods living in a oh, truck oh wow because that's a week for the first week or two it is exhilarating you're you're in the forest yeah. you wake up and your first breath is this like deep bitter cold and everything's snowy and and, and icy and and the uh, you know, crunching on, it's just it's 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 magical but yeah. after about 2 weeks you're like eh. <laughs> Yeah, you know, i kind of need it to go to the done. bathroom and it's minus 30
0: so um
1: yeah so that, that's what i found that, that's sort of the magical lines two weeks uh two weeks that, so that it gets
0: too much yeah
1: yeah
0: As it becomes yeah. the, the norm again so are you still doing are you doing this in conjunction with the university of minnesota because that's where you did your phd Is that right
1: that, that's correct uh yeah I, I work for a group called the wildlife conservation society now yeah which, which is Based in New York, uh, but they work you know all, all over the world uh, doing yeah. conservation projects. So yeah, so I work for uh, partially for their uh, for their temperate Asia program, uh, which includes uh, Ru- Russia and China and, and Mongolia, and also for their Arctic Beringia program. So really doing um, oh wow a, a lot of bird work in, in the Russian Arctic and kind of tying that to existing uh, programs in in uh, in Alaska.
0: Yeah. How do you go about finding the projects that you attach yourself to?
1: Uh, It is, it's a a variety. So um, a lot of the stuff I'm doing right now is really, like I just said, it's sort of extending, expanding what's already happening in Alaska. Yeah. Because a lot of it's like the the Beringia system, It's, it's, it's it's the same, and again, mostly birds that I work with. It's I was going to say, area. what does Beringia mean? Yeah, yeah, so so the 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 the, the, the uh, Beringian land bridge, right? Was that was that
0: uh, ah between Russia and America?
1: Exactly, it's it that space, yeah. and so the area is called Arctic Beringia. It's, it's the Bering Sea, and just that whole, wow. so, whole sort of ecosystem is called Beringia. And so there are birds that never leave that area. So there are eider species, these sea ducks that they, they'll breed in. Uh, Alaska and then winter over in Chukotka, you know. So they kind of do these. They don't do like north. Oh my separate, God.
0: They So do they're like the, the, the yeah, bird so version of you. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So right. Oh, and they so, go so east
0: so west. If, west. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they do and, and so the opposite. If, if
1: and, but but not much is known about what's happening to these birds once they get to Russia. And so you have these populations that might be declining, declining in Alaska. And you're like, oh wait, are they? Is that? Is this a a, a region wide? decline then you find out that, that they're they're increasing in russia or something like that
0: wow and so, so
1: what so what i'm trying to do is, is kind of help uh the work that's being done in alaska and also part of canada help them understand the bigger picture about what what's happening in the system not just uh in these geographical borders
0: yeah and um, all right so the system like the knock-on effects that are happening that could potentially be altered so that to uh prevent more species decay is that kind of where the logic yeah, is it's
1: it's, just, and it's important to understand like like if uh if if the birds that are uh declining in alaska for example there's that there's a concomitant increase of the, of, of those of that same species in russia that means it's just a range wow. right it's not yeah. like it's not a, a real problem that we need to worry about
0: but if it's no. going down
1: everywhere then yes that's something we need to look at more closely to understand so that.
0: In terms of the Blackiston fish owl, though, um, you saw pretty quickly that there was a problem there with human interaction and the population's decreasing, especially like the timber industry.
1: Yeah, well, there was certainly the uh, uh, the potential for for the conflict, and yeah. uh, and as it turns out, you know the the, the trees that the, that the owls are nesting in. Are, they're not the ones being targeted by uh, by the logging company because they're 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 too yeah. old, they're too decayed. There's there's no commercial value, and so really it's more about uh, the management of the forest, like under you know, better, you know, being able to help the logging company understand uh, ways that they can log in a way that's uh, beneficial to the owl and also doesn't negatively impact the local economy. Because essentially, in you know yeah. the, the part of of Russia that I go to, uh, all the able-bodied folks are, they're, they're hunters, they're fishermen, they're loggers, you know, it's, it's, uh, their, uh, uh, their livelihoods are very much tied to to the land.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was the fascinating part in that book. It was almost like this, like time stamp, like they, it was a timeless place, you know, where the yeah. humans were living the way we've been living for thousands of years, almost just with a bit more technology. I mean, that's, those encounters were the best, like with the, the people that had literally never seen anyone outside outside their village, let alone Russia. And then here you come along and they're like, America? Like, who is this guy? Like, they almost right. saw you like a cartoon character a little bit. And, I mean, some of the situations were so hairy. And then I was also like, I'd be sitting there going like, how on earth is he doing this with, like, they're drinking the next bottle of vodka and you're just like, slowly but surely trying to get to bed. Like, did your alcohol consumption go through the roof when you were living there? Uh, Every day.
1: Yeah, it's 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 changed a little bit in the sense that, you know, the the people I work with, you know, they, they kind of, it the drinking gets old, right? And so, yeah, I, I think you know we're all getting older, and you know the the Russians yeah. I work with are getting older, and they you know I think they recognize that we don't have to be drinking all the time, uh, and yeah. so. Uh, I I definitely drink vodka when I'm in Russia. I I don't touch it when I'm in the U.S. because yeah. I, I get enough for the year. Um, and, um, <laughs> Jesus,
0: well, and, it's and, almost and like the, an analgesic the way I saw it, and it like warms yeah. your body, and it's kind of like makes you forget how intense the conditions are. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think yeah, I think the best example of, of what you just said was uh, you know going ice fishing sometimes over there. You're you're,
0: you're sitting on yeah. this.
1: Frozen River. I, I don't know if this part was in the book or not. It might have been. Um, and, you know, the people, everyone's on their own, own little ice hole. You're out there for a couple hours. Uh, it's yeah. cold. You've got your big down jackets on, your hoods up, and equidistant to, to all the people out in their little ice holes, there's a bottle of vodka, a cup, <laughs> a, snick, a snicker bar, and a knife. And whenever you get cold, you go over, and you pour yourself a shot, saw off a little bit of that frozen snicker bar. Down oh, the unbelievable shore, <laughs> i think that was so. <laughs>
0: It's like a communal um and so this is was this an occasion that would happen only when you needed some food or did you do that as a hobby
1: uh i, I don't do it as a I, i'm i don't enjoy it <laughs> um, okay uh, it's yeah in, in that case we were, we were we were looking for both food and uh to have some fish to put in our um are traps to to try to catch these owls
0: gotcha so that was the other that was my when i for years when i saw your photograph with that owl that you have in your hand i was like jesus that beak is so i was like how does it fly with a beak that long and then Mm. one day yeah i read read it and it was like it has a fish in its mouth how on earth did you get it to be so docile is that yeah in that photo,
1: yeah so, yeah. so, so that bird that was one I, I do describe that bird in the book where yeah. uh, it was one of these really really cold nights and she kind of jumped into the water after she got caught so she was soaking wet and you know we're not going to release yeah. a, a soaking wet bird at minus thirty, uh, so we kept her in a box overnight and then sort of st- stuffed her with fish when we let her go just so yeah. she had something in her in her belly. Um, And generally speaking, you know, different, different raptors or birds in general react differently when you hold them. Uh, but some birds kind of just know when they're caught, you know, you, you, you put the right pressure on their wings and you hold their talons and they're like, well, I'm out of ideas. So they kind of just sit there.
0: (laughs) Wow. Like almost, yeah. Like roosters I've heard, they can get hypnotized pretty quickly as well when you're holding them in a certain chicken Mm, species. Um, that's, so that one you had. Did you ever establish, like, could you, because there weren't so, there aren't so many species, I mean, numbers of this particular species. Like, did you tag them and recognize them? I mean, you go into the book a little bit. Did you establish, yeah, let's yeah. say, a relationship, I was going to say, with these animals?
1: D- definitely a re- I mean, it was a very one-sided relationship, but yes, I, I, I definitely <laughs> had, had a relationship with, with the birds. Uh, we, d- we did tag them. We put these fairly large Leg bands, color leg bands yeah. on them, uh, assuming that we'd be able to use that to to, to kind of find them in the pa- in the in the future. But there's 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 uh, there's so much fluff on these birds that you know uh, that yeah. you you really can't see. You know, and they're flying around at night. You really can't see the tags very well. Um, no. but they are they're they're long lived and they're territorial. And so you know, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. And so you just know that you know, there's an old female at this site. So you know it's the same one
0: who's been there before. Um, so they, they're not that distinct physiologically that you could actually tell. No, there, there,
1: there was one who uh, lost an eye at some point. So he, yeah. he, he we could yeah, definitely okay. pick out. Uh, so
0: you, Did yeah. you name them?
1: We uh, Unofficially, it was actually little Johnny who lost an eye.
0: <laughs> yeah exactly little johnny so in terms of your the writing that you're still doing now like you were doing i think you were writing for doing a blog for scientific american for a while i
1: was and that that slowed down a little bit just since yeah. really since, since the book came out because kind of all of yeah. my effort has been on publicizing been on that. That. um yeah I, I translated a book a few years ago and I'm, i saw that yeah sort of i'm thinking i'm trying to decide right now if it's worth uh translating a follow-up uh the, the same guy just a different yeah um, a different book and i'm also thinking about another another book too of, of nonfiction.
0: well this is what i was thinking the one about this sounds super fascinating with that i can't remember the name the piece of ice that connects alaska and russia and oh, the yeah. duck i think yeah. i mean that would be the obvious follow-on and i'm pretty sure that your publisher would be like come on john we need to ride this wave yeah need to pump yeah, out another yeah. one so you have obviously have been thinking about that
1: yeah i have been and i i do feel like you know you know now that i'm in a new a new house and my i have an office that has a window uh, and oh wow a, a closet uh i'm i'm, I'm feeling <laughs> a little more inspired to uh to, to, to brilliant
0: write. and but you obviously you're not gonna have as many notes this time to draw upon or have you been taking prolific notes you're no, up there
1: you're right so so uh the, whatever the next project is it 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 definitely will be different because
0: I it will require care. more work on your behalf because i mean yeah. this is pretty much an extension of your phd in a way i mean it was more like the description of your phd in the guardian article about you there was a really nice bit where it was like you were kind of like describing the beauty and also the banes of conservation work. And it was kind of, yeah, you go into really epic detail within the book of the frustrations, but also like the miniature little highlights and stuff. Uh, and this is what I was gonna ask like, when you were doing this and taking your notes, did you ever think at one point in time you were gonna write a book about this?
1: No, no. No, um, that's what I was, I was yeah. Right, so I, I did, I, I kept these little uh, field notes uh, uh, at, at, at the time. Uh, partially as a way to be able to you know think in my own language because I mean I'm living in a in a metal box with a bunch of Russians in the middle of winter and <laughs> really just have you know, kind of been really drowned in all things Russia. And I, I just you know wanted to be able to express myself freely and you know make you know kind of comment on some of the odd things that that, that happen uh, when yeah. you're living in a in a metal box with, with a bunch of Russians in the middle of winter. Um, and I would also I would share these uh, I, I'd type these up and write these little um, send out these what I called fish out updates yeah uh, anytime I'd be back in, in town in Terrene and had an internet connection and, and you know, could use the dial up to um, wow to, to, to send these things out just just to first of all let family and friends know that I was alive yeah and then also I sent, I sent these to donors too because I'm really sc- scrapping together like all this all the funds for the project were. Uh, were grants that that, that I wrote. Yep. And so I'm, you know, getting a two oh, thousand dollar wow. grant here, a three thousand dollar grant there, and like just, you know, that that's for me to fly over there. It's me to hire field assistants and all the yeah. food we need for two two or three months, plus the field tech. I mean, it's uh, one of those GPS. Not units cheap. Yeah. It was like two thousand dollars at the time, and so um, I was. I just wanted to. I wanted donors to feel like they were getting their money's worth, and that they would want more, more money in the future. And so uh, years later, someone's like, hey, you know, you should you should turn that into a book. And so after I translated another book, I'm like, well, if I can translate someone else's book, maybe I should think about my own. So wow. I kind of I dug up those PDFs, you know, put them all into one file and that was like 40 pages right there. So I already had yeah. the core and then you know, figured out which which passages to expand, which to delete entirely. Um, and yeah, it, it essentially uh, the first draft wrote itself in, in maybe six months.
0: Yeah, amazing. And so did you then contact a publisher when you'd written that or was it beforehand even that you said to someone? Uh, that you it wanted... was after.
1: It was after. Afterwards, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I got a, um, I, uh, an advice from a, a cousin of mine who's an author. He says, you need an agent. And so yeah. I found an agent and,
0: and she really kind of helped me um, find Yeah, it, she's find great. I think I follow her on Instagram.
1: Mm, mm.
0: Great. So you found her and then she helped you approach publishers and everything so you didn't even have to do so for any budding writers out there listening that's probably the best thing you can do because it takes all of that um energy and frustration out of your hands right and
1: yeah absolutely and and and, you know instead of blindly reaching around for a publisher i mean this is someone who has a rolodex if people still have those with like okay (laughs) this, this is a book about you know russia nature you know what editors do I know at the big publishing houses that have bought books like that in the past, and so it just really it narrows it down and it yeah, she uh, helps make sure that the contract is is the best possible contract for you rather than um, uh to benefit the publisher so it's it's yeah. absolutely worth worth it if you can if you can do it that's that's definitely the way to go,
0: yeah, and so I mean this when it took off at what point after publishing were you like Oh shit! This is actually being read by a lot of people. Was it when the second run was printed? How did you know that it was actually resonating with people?
1: Well, I think the, you know, the Helen Macdonald interview uh, review that yeah. mentioned in the Guardian that was a that was a big deal. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, because you know, she wrote this book called Hs for Hawk, which is you know yeah. it's a book about her, you know, uh, kind of tending for this this captive goshawk, and it was really important for her to say you know, cause her, her book kind of jumped into the mainstream, you know, for her yeah. to say, Hey, if you like my book, don't worry about that. This is a book about PhD research. You know, this, this book is good. And I think that gave a lot of people. What the nudge they needed to, to kind of read the book, but it was, it was, I think it was when the book got nominated for a national book award. um, That that really perked up my ears. He was like, wait a minute, what uh, there's, I mean, and the long list was 10 books, I think, you know, so it's, The long list is a pretty short list, and that tells you that the literary world is paying attention, not just the bird freaks and the russophiles. Are you there to you? What's a russophile? Oh, yeah, I I, I lost you for a bit there. A russophile is someone who loves Russia.
0: Oh, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. So it went over and above. So all, of all of these amazing accolades, like you won the E.O. Wilson Science yeah. book Award. You won the Times Best Nature Book new, right? of 2020. Right. Like, ridiculous. So I was going to say of all of these accolades and prizes and awards and compliments, which was the one that stood out the most? You just mentioned Helen MacDonald at The Guardian, but like, which one was like, oh my God, I want to print this out make t-shirts? I read this every morning when I wake up. Do you have one? It's a hard question. I think,
1: I think it, it was uh, it was one of the top ten books of the year by the Wall Street Journal. Which wow, is, yeah, you know, because they're are a they're a conservative group, right? The Wall Street yep. Journal, and so that that meant a lot to me. That it's again, it's not just the Guardian, um, exactly. It's, the it's, wing, it's the conservatives too that are reading this and and valuing it and yeah, uh, taking something from. It. And also, honestly, like a lot of the. Uh, the <laughs> the Amazon reviews or, you know, people who just write in and, and type, type what they thought. A number of them are, are, are along the lines of, I didn't think I'd like this, but
0: and uh, that's, that's yeah. great,
1: right? Cause, Cause that's the people who don't care about Russia. They don't care about owls. They don't care about conservation, but it's no. people who weeks later write and say, Hey, I'm still thinking about this. And that's, yeah. that means a lot.
0: Yeah, Yeah. That was almost one of the reasons why you wanted to put that out there because that yeah obviously the conservation angle and to inspire Do you know if if it's being read by younger people as well like in schools
1: it to, to, to some degree I, I it is uh i don't know how widespread that is but uh, yeah. a couple classes have contacted me about um talking to their to their kids because they they're, they're reading the book
0: yeah and in terms of like you know doing lecture circuits and stuff in academia, do you get asked to do that?
1: I, I do qu- quite a bit. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm speaking tomorrow, in fact, at, at one um, that I'd forgotten about until I got the email this morning that says, oh, "Thanks for agreeing. Here's the Zoom link." It's like,
0: Ugh. all right, so it's via Zoom, and so is yeah. it like a lecture format where they've got like the students listening and you have to present?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing very few in, in in person. In fact, have I done? I haven't done any. Uh, in person. Um, I have one scheduled I think for uh, two scheduled in February and then another in April that are that are live. Uh, otherwise... That's going to be all a live. new
0: new phenomenon to experience yeah. again. Inter- yeah. Are those in Minnesota?
1: Um, no. Uh, Utah and Florida are right Oh, wow.
0: At universities?
1: Yes. I'm sorry, Nevada, not Utah. Yeah. 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 Almost
0: the same thing. Yeah. And are they related to... Um, the book, or is it your research and the fish out, or is it all of the above?
1: Yeah, it's, it's all, all, all Most of my talks have uh, some combination of 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 all those bits. Um, and and then yeah, when when I speak to the academic crowd, I uh, highlight the fieldwork more and the the research more, and also the hardships because I think it's yeah you know if you're going to be if you're going to be choosing a career where you end up sitting in a tent all night. Uh, trying not to freeze to death. Uh, I want I <laughs> want you to know that going in, um, a lot of, yeah, exactly. a lot of this work is glamorized, and a lot of people just sort of remember or think about no
0: exactly it, and not the highs yeah. and,
1: not, and not the lows. And so I kind of I, I do a little bit of browbeating just so these these yeah. guys, kids know. Perfect. Well, <laughs> know I
0: little mean little that was the fun. thing reading this book because you know I you know I've known you as a person, so I was literally in there with you, and it really so the bits where it got shitty and you weren't feeling in the best of spaces I like literally felt with you I was like why did you do this man go home like (laughs) and and so that's what I was going to ask in what way did the peace corps because obviously you wouldn't have done that in the wilderness because this is like a cultural exchange you want to be talking with people when you did your year how long two years in the peace corps that was was in
1: three years actually yeah three
0: years and you were in Vladivostok
1: in in in, in Primoria. Um, yeah, I wasn't in, in, I was north of Vladivostok.
0: North of Okay, and so you were hanging out in the wilderness as well during that time? Yeah,
1: pretty much. I mean, I was in in, in a, a pretty small village for 2 years and then I went to Ternay, which is in the book quite a bit for
0: 3rd yeah. year. And, yeah.
1: And yeah, I mean, I lived in in Ternay. Uh, I had this this small little house at the end of the street. I got like uh, there's a creek next to the property and that's where I got my water from.
0: I had, I had a sauna, and um, yeah, it was I loved very, that very bit. Um, did you have to write field reports for that time? Like, did did people want to know what you were up to, or like, how does the nature of that work uh, manifest itself? Do you know what I mean? Like, working in the Peace Corps, do you have to like write reports or?
1: Uh... I honestly don't remember Um, there was, I mean, I mean, you had, you had people that you worked with uh, like a a local contact that you worked with every day and there'd be regular check-ins of some kind. And I'm I'm sure that they were also checking in with, with our, our Russian counterparts to make sure we weren't uh,
0: getting up to no good.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, And so does that still exist? The Peace Corps is that.
1: It, It does it not in Russia um they, So that's
0: closed down after you left.
1: About a year <laughs> after I left, yeah, yeah. Oh, for real?
0: Yeah, because they couldn't find any qualified.
1: Well, no, I, I think do. what it was was you know so Russia in the early 90s was was a mess. Um, yeah, and I think they were really looking for any assistance and any kind of help that, that they could get. And as they were sort of starting to kind of reassert themselves and, and get back on their feet. They started to realize this is this is my my, my opinion that um, they're looking around where other peace corps programs are, and it's it's essentially what what we would call third world countries. Yeah, um, and I think they just didn't want to be associated with that, and so they yeah. they kind of
0: close it all down. Oh, because it, all right, so it would have been Putin probably doesn't. They didn't yeah. want to be seen as a third world country in that sense.
1: Th- that's that's my that. opinion on it. Yeah,
0: because I mean, this is what I was thinking like. When you think about that whole, this would have been at the end of the Cold War. Like they would have been like, "This dude's a spy," <laughs> right? <laughs> but they would have, yeah, met I, mean, I,
1: I, I got that a lot, especially in these remote places where they hadn't seen any foreigners, and suddenly there's a foreigner. Yeah, you describe
0: that. Yeah. yeah. So how did that? How did that interaction? I mean, obviously, because you could speak fluent Russian. At first, they probably wouldn't have known that. Is that true that that you would have blended in quite easily, or did they start did you- starting
1: out? If it's if it's a general how you doing, what's your name, where you from type of conversation. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I can get through well. But once once things get a little more challenging, uh, then it's a little harder to keep up with all my my adjectival endings and conjugations. And so then it, then it gets a little, yeah. little more it's obvious.
0: A unbelievably complicated language. I mean, even just the alphabet is so um, alienating. Um, so you're still you would wouldn't would you call yourself fluent by now? I mean this has been 20 yeah, yeah. 30 yeah.
1: and I think yeah. and, and the way I def, the way I define that is you know I might not know the exact word that I would want to say in English but I know enough uh bridge words to kind of get around it to get to what, to get to what what I'm trying yeah. to mean. Yeah. Uh, well, and and ornithological vocabulary absolutely i'm I'm, I'm very much fluent it's just uh other aspects if someone wants to know about
0: cars or something uh, i don't know (laughs) i don't know what those words are Um, and you've obviously translated the book from russian into english right right would you be confident to do it the other way around
1: no not at all And and that's really when you're looking at uh translators you really want someone to unless you're some kind of superhuman to translate into your native language because there's, there's just so much stuff that, that I would not be able to do well going into Russian.
0: Yeah. So speaking of languages you were exposed to as a child, how's your German? Uh, schlecht. Schlecht. But you did because, I mean, we did back then, we did have German classes, didn't we, if I remember yeah. correctly? We, yeah. Did you do? Yeah. So could I, you speak German when we were living there?
1: Y- yes. I, I felt that uh, as a... 10 year old uh my german was good and i remember getting yeah you know kind of held held by the scruff of my neck by policemen and th- <laughs> them, not, them not realizing that i was foreign
0: okay awesome that's so funny Well, we also had the diplomatic angle i think you had a diplomatic passport yeah but
1: you? that gets that gets messy you don't really want to pull that card
0: well you yeah, call your dad um when was that scruff of the neck thing? Skateboarding. Doing something uh, unruly.
1: We, we, we did a number of, of naughty things as, as children uh, in Munich. <laughs> I'm not the sure if I sure get into that.
0: Okay. Where's Chris at the moment, your brother?
1: He, he's in Fairbanks in Alaska. He's been up there
0: 25 oh, for yeah, of- years. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you visited them recently, didn't you? Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and the office I work for, uh, the Arctic Beringia office, is is based out of Fairbanks, so that's nice. Oh, to,
0: amazing! So you get to get hang out
1: you, when I get up there. Yeah.
0: Do you get to do you stay with him?
1: S- sometimes, yeah. Uh, sometimes, uh, for, for at least for part of of a trip, I'll stay with. Yeah. Him. I usually don't stay with him all the time. Has he also got kids? Nope. Uh, he has a dogs. He, he's he's married, and they've got what five or six a, a dog team. A
0: slight They dog. love they love dogs. Um. Can you remember Doug House when we were that age? Uh, yeah. He lives in Alaska as well. I wonder if it's Fairbanks. I'm trying to work yeah, yeah. out. Yeah, I should hook you guys up, even though if he is listening. like He kind of went off that other spectrum in America and endorsed that president that just left office. So No. But yeah, it's quite disappointing to see. And so, yeah. I got really close. We were talking, and then suddenly I saw that, and I was like, oh, no. And so... First times I would just like post on the wall, going, "Are you serious?" You, but yeah, it's gone full blown, and that is, a, I mean, it's a condition I think where people yeah. in America it, it exists now. It's probably going to be in the DSMV at some point in time. So I don't think people can be much like the anti-vax vaccination debate. Like, it's a hard thing to be able to uh, reconcile people. I think once they've gone that. On that so yeah, I yeah, man, I mean
1: if... there's people hanging out in Texas waiting for John F Kennedy jr to show up, you know <laughs> where do you...
0: I don't know that's unbelievable where do you to, draw the to, line
1: to be the vice president you know to run to right president <laughs> it's like what are you talking about
0: <laughs> oh man we would have thought that flat earthers would have been the the pinnacle of yeah. where this could lead but um the thing with yeah, I I was amazed that with Trump I never thought something would come along in my lifetime that would be more divisive than Trump. And then you get this vaccine thing happening and I mean what's the situation there? Is it children are getting vaccinated, right?
1: Yep, they are. Uh both my kids have had their their first shot. Uh um, Wow, at 5 and 9. Yeah,
0: yeah. Amazing.
1: Or is she 6? I don't remember. She uh what, she, <laughs> what? she's I, I can't keep track of all these things. Uh,
0: <laughs> so much. You've got, is, she's, she's, yeah. You've got all these owls and ducks to take care of. Yeah. you got all these owls and ducks to take care of, and then your human children.
1: Yeah, it's all. Yeah, who can?
0: Who knows? Amazing. Uh, so is that the cutoff, though, is five for the children vaccination? Yes,
1: whatever Whatever the cutoff is, is how old she is. It's five <laughs> or
0: six. Amazing. And so she's a, she must be at first grade. Then. kindergarten cool. maybe she, maybe she's just... five. Yeah. <laughs> so amazing i was thinking when did you move to munich how old were you eight uh
1: eight yeah just just turned eight yeah and you
0: lived before that where were you guys your family
1: uh we've been in in virginia for two years yeah. and prior to that uh panama and prior to that uruguay
0: i remember panama Uruguay. where uruguay yeah montevideo wow is that where you were born
1: uh no i was born in virginia and then went to uruguay i was just i don't know five six months old pretty young
0: and your dad was also working in the commerce with for the commerce the same yeah right right is he still doing that john
1: uh no he he died uh, a couple years ago maybe four. oh years ago. shit i yeah.
0: didn't
1: even know yeah, yeah, that.
0: that's fine that's fine yeah these things happen yep and so your mom where is she at the moment
1: she is in statesboro georgia she likes the. She likes the climate weather. Down, she likes the yeah. climate down there, uh, p- p- uh, political and otherwise. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs>
0: okay, Statesboro. Yeah,
1: it's a nice. It's a nice place. Good university there.
0: Yeah. So you go and visit her every now and then. <clears throat> so I heard both her boys are in Alaska and. I don't know how far is Minnesota from Georgia. It's pretty. It's a bit, a bit of a trek. It's
1: pretty. It's, it's a nineteen-hour drive. But yeah, there's another <laughs> one. There's, there's, there's a David was born in Munich. Um, oh wow! Now, he's now in Boston.
0: Of course, I do remember the baby. Yeah. How? <laughs> old, so he, he's ten years younger than you. Yeah. A bit, a bit more. He's and 12, he's living in Boston. Maybe. Oh, so he's a little bit closer to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing! All boys. All boys. And what's he doing, David?
1: He is a uh, like a general contractor.
0: Yeah,
1: like houses and stuff.
0: Okay. So you've all gone and done pretty different things.
1: Yeah, yeah. My my older Chris was a he was a teacher for a while. He's, he retired. Yeah. Uh, he got to retire at age forty five. Um,
0: what? Which is what we are now. <laughs>
1: yeah, because he, he was in the you know, he, was, uh, he was he was te- he was a teacher at, in the uh, for the state of Alaska for twenty years and he took early retirement so he gets i think a pension what? of 40%, 40% of his salary uh, and living the- out
0: there he probably lives off the land quite a bit and grows his own many expenses
1: he built his own house there's no there's no property taxes there's no sales amazing
0: property. yeah i think i saw that so he so he's kind of got that skill set that now david is using to to build houses could you do that
1: no, and I I would, I would say that uh, Chris is more of a uh, he's more haphazard. Uh, yeah, nice. he starts building, and so his his plans develop as he builds. Whereas David is more meticulous, and he will actually have Brilliant. a plan before he. Uh, <laughs>
0: That's so funny, um, and I know. So, can you remember Tony Bowler, our teacher? Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. So just shout out. He's a massive, he listens to this and he's a massive oh, yeah. fan of yours. So I did kind of say to him, like, yeah, I remember way back when I was doing this work with sharks, he wrote to me and he said that he remembered me writing about sharks when I was in that age. And so he's always kept track of us. He's very active on Facebook. And so, yeah, big, I wanted to say a big shout out to him and also Dean Hannah. Do you remember her? Of course.
1: Oh my gosh. I don't think I do. What, what's the name?
0: Miss Hama, she was our fourth grade teacher. My she was the Lord, she was a New yeah. Zealand. Okay, <laughs> so bad. Well, she doesn't listen to this. So but what I was going to say is, can you remember we used to do these speed writing tests when we were kids? I've got a ridiculously good memory, John. So like that we do every I,
1: what, what I I do remember walking up. We, we had to do some book report or something. I do remember walking up to Mister Bowler and saying that we're going to do something about sharks, and he just kind of looked at us like again.
0: <laughs> Amazing.
1: But, but I, I don't remember any speed writing now.
0: Okay, so because that was when um, Miss Hannah said, and she said it to both of us, John, she actually wrote it on that we, she's been doing these tests for 20 years and she's never had anyone write as fast as both of us. That was like right. a, um, yeah, so that's, that was gonna, I was gonna ask you, like, how, when you are doing your writing, what's your process? for Mm -hmm. writing because obviously many writers say that oh don't think about anything just go for it and that's true for fiction but because you were trying to frame like this quite highly nuanced um story what do you do when you go about writing it okay so you had that first book you had 40 pages with which you could work around but like let's yeah go on
1: yeah so what i do I, i would i would take uh when i was actively 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 working on the book i would do it for two hours a day where I'd uh, wake up, get the kids out of that house. Um, and basically from seven till nine in the morning worked on the book. And yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get caught up in details. If I couldn't say exactly what what I'd want to say, I'd put a couple X's and highlight it in yellow and move on. Yeah. Uh, and then the next day I'd go back and revisit those passages until I could really, when I, when I felt like I had the words, is when I would write, put those words and I, I wouldn't torment over, over how to say it.
0: Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> a, probably a pretty good way. Cause that's the way you can then end up getting into that situation where you become a little bit paralyzed intellectually and you start doubting yourself, which is.
1: Yeah. And I, I like to go for relatively long, well, not, no, not that long, maybe hour long uh, bike rides in the mornings. And that's also a thing is, you know, looking at the page and like okay. Uh, I'm thinking about, you know, this, crossing the river at this point in time. And then just kind of think about that on my ride and kind of space out and try to get back in, in into that, into that place and, and really describe what I put into words, what I was feeling to then try yeah. that, and then get back and, and write that down.
0: Do you use um, like voice recorder stuff? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. have that with
1: me in case I, if there was a very specific phrase that was like, okay, I can't, I cannot forget that then. Yeah. So I, I had, I would, I would record that.
0: Yeah, and then when you do that on your phone, Yep. yep, or something. Um, so, in terms of like your daily life now, John, um, what what's when you're working for the Wildlife Conservation Society? You're obviously you're, are you doing that from home? Yes. You know, yep. Yeah. So you don't have to go into an office or anything.
1: Right. Yeah. We don't have a. I mean, the the main office is in you know, New the, York the City. I work for are either New York City or Fairbanks or Vladivostok. And I'm quite okay. involved in all the places. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, and actually, I have a better, I'm much more involved in, in day-to-day office stuff now than I, than I ever was because now everybody's on Zoom, right? And so it's not,
0: True. you
1: know, there's not some meeting in New York that obviously I can't go to because I'm in Minnesota. It's, you know, everyone's on Zoom. So, I, I, it's, so in a sense, that's nice because I know more about what other people are doing. I feel a little more uh, camaraderie with, with colleagues that otherwise yeah. I see once or twice a year.
0: Yeah. So, and the, you said that the area that you work for, like the specific geographic area for the Wildlife Conservation Society, is kind of the Asian subcontinent. Is that what you
1: said? Where where, uh, where I work is, um, I mean, I think mo- uh, the WCS is probably most active in, in South America and and uh, Central Africa. Yeah. Um, so you go to places like that, people know who WCS is. It's other some other places that we're not quite as well known. Uh, yeah, the so but but the one that you're like,
0: responsible for now is...
1: Yeah, a, uh, temperate yeah. Asia.
0: So it's kind of... You know, temperate northern, Asia. Northern Asia. Okay, so I was going to say, does New Zealand fall under that? But obviously not.
1: <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. That's too far south.
0: Um, yeah, I was going to say, because we've got an owl species here as well, the ruru which you know but you've kind of looks like you're deviating away i'm just trying to work out ways in which we can get you to be sponsored to come over here to do some work
1: yeah it's and and typically you know we, we don't do a lot of we don't do much work in north america or in the the lower 48 either we feel that there are a lot of other organizations uh, who True. are competently occupying that space and so we yeah. don't have programs in places like japan either for, uh or i don't think we're even in australia for you know for, for the same reasons like there are other yeah. groups who are just doing that better than, than we could we, we have a uh, lot of collaborators um yeah. in, in these places just not we don't have offices there
0: how many people work for the wcs
1: oh it's thousands i don't i don't know and we are oh, really
0: there. so just like in, on contract basis and
1: uh no no full, full time i mean we 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 uh we thousands all, all of the new york city zoos are wcs so half of what wow is New York City zoos the other half is international conservation. Uh, so just the city zoos. I mean, there's there's what there's four zoos and an aquarium there. So Yeah, there's
0: a lot oh, wow, of... it's amazing. The Bronx Zoo is awesome. Yeah, that, that's the
1: yeah. So when when I go to 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 the WCS headquarters, I I I, I stay at the Bronx Zoo. Oh,
0: amazing. So, but so is this a, uh, an NGO or is it affiliated to like the some type yeah, of?
1: It's, it's it's an NGO. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. How long? How old is it? Oh, more, more than 100 years. Okay, so that's what I was to trying
1: be, to... It used to be called the New York Zoological Society. I'm not sure when they changed the name to, uh, to WCS, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so... It's, it, it, it's, yeah. It, it's, let, me, let me just add that you know, when I do go to visit the, uh, the, the, the home office, there's a... I, I stay at these apartments in the middle of the Bronx, which is yeah. a... Um, um, it's in the middle of an old growth forest in in like a little farmhouse it's 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 a sensation because you cross from you know literal italy you enter the zoo and you're suddenly <laughs> in, this, in this large dark forest and there's this little that, corner this of it that doesn't
0: even sound real john
1: it's, it's like it's like this little there's a there's a field and there's a barn uh, and you're in the middle you're in the middle of the bronx
0: what so it's like the way new york looked like 300 years ago basically
1: yeah it's 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 pretty neat and you can hear you can hear the city it sounds like you know, the highways sound like a river when you're sitting there looking at these trees in the field.
0: Oh, my goodness. And so this is where everyone who works there gets to stay in these apartments. Is that right? It's
1: a, a visiting scientist, yeah. So people coming in from uh, South America or Africa or Asia or wherever. Oh,
0: that's amazing. So they get a little treat. So they yeah, don't get overwhelmed.
1: You know, it's, it's expensive to stay anywhere in New York. And yeah. you know, the Bronx is a little isolated from all the action, right? So if you yeah. want to be staying in Manhattan... Or Brooklyn, it takes you two hours just to get there by train. So
0: yeah, true. Uh, it's nice that's also unbelievably travel. overwhelming that city. I don't think I've ever had a feeling like going into Manhattan anywhere else in the world. Yeah. So oh, that's so cool, John. Um, I'm realizing time wise, you, you have to go and pick someone up. The right. nine or the six year old.
1: The, the nine year old. I, I I like to meet him at school and walk him home.
0: Oh, I that was going to be my question. Is the is it? Did you move closer to the school? But you've obviously lived just down the road now.
1: Yep it's it's the same distance, just the other side of the school. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Um, can we have you on again? Obviously, we should. Yeah, keep in touch now. Seeing that, I mean, amazing. Thirty five yeah, sure. years. I like this was a bizarre. I was like, is it cheesy? <laughs> like the reunion, and to record it, but like, no, nah, this will be absolute. Treat for people to listen to, and yeah, maybe we can stir up some interest here in New Zealand to get you to come down. Some people to sponsor you to come down. Or yeah, I'm hoping you. to.
1: There's a there's a meeting I've been trying to get to for a couple of years uh, in Australia that keeps yeah. getting pushed back because of the because of the pandemic. So I'm hoping to. What, I, where I, in not, Australia? Not um, what's that?
0: Where in Australia? Honestly, I don't I don't recall. Um, so you don't know. um well, epic. If you do that, then either you jump over here or I'll come up there and see you. Um, yeah, I've been,
1: I've been hoping to be able to, if, if, the, if it does happen, to, to get to New Zealand. It's been
0: top of my list yeah, for, for a number of years. Got to. And I was going to ask, actually, seeing I'm in the Te Wai which is the South Island, just mm. north of the Antarctic. I was like, you've been interviewed by so many people all around the world. This is the furthest south on the planet. I just wanted to yeah. have one. Yeah. yeah so i yeah, can put that in the show notes yeah.
1: there, there is uh, i i don't know if i mentioned this to you in the past or not but there's a, there's a line in the very early in in, in the book where it's yes. where, where i talk about yeah. uh you know a far-off place i've always wanted to visit but don't know much about and that's that's been new zealand for me since yeah it was probably i probably got it from you honestly right uh it's yeah. kind of been in, in the back of my mind uh, my whole life as this magical place
0: Amazing, which we're, we're going to have to make that happen, 100%. That'd be great. Yeah. So big, big, big love to your family, your wife and your kids. And say hi to Chris next time you talk to him and your mom. Yeah. I still remember them all very fondly. I can yeah. remember dinners that we had at your house. I can remember movies that we watched. We watched The yeah. Goonies. I'll never forget oh. that. Yeah. And I, I, I've got a scar on my body, John, that I did And In your driveway, we were playing hide-and-go-seek, and and I jumped over a bench, and I messed my knee up, and I still had a scar on my knee. So it was a physical reminder of that friendship. So amazing. Have a, a great day. Thank you so much for making time. I know how busy you are. And we'll talk again.
1: Yeah, my pleasure, Chris. This was great.
0: Nice one. Be well. Talk soon, brother. Bye. there you go thank you so much for listening everyone to podcast number 11 with Dr. Jonathan Slatt yeah check out his book Owls of the Eastern Ice it's absolutely fantastic I've read it twice and it's funny it's insightful it, yeah, it'll yeah, move you through the ent- entire gamut of emotions um, I've had a bit of feedback that my voice is too loud and I think it is in these podcasts and trust me all of you trust you um, loyal listeners out there, I am getting new equipment and my voice won't be so loud in the future. So, juxtaposed to John, my voice was extremely loud in that interview. So, all apologies there. Um, it was a great talk, and we'll get John back on again because he's got so many stories to tell. And yeah, I was really, really happy that he managed to find the time, you know, between moving houses and all his other writing and um, interviewing commitments to make way for an old friend was absolutely fantastic. So, yeah. And thank you guys for listening and supporting the podcast. And, yeah, so I've got a couple of other great ones coming up. I've got German Kiwi writer Anke Richter coming on to talk about her book about cults and conspiracy theories. Uh, I've got Jotem Hayer who's going to talk about her children's book that she wrote recently, and funded on kickstarter and i have the australian broadcast journalist antoinette latouf coming to talk about her new book how to make friends and alienate white people so thanks heaps guys kia kia kaha maori ora talk soon much love